Hi, and welcome back to Life Conversations with Marissa and Tracy. Uh, we have a very special person in the room with us today that I'm so excited to welcome to the podcast. We have Melissa Turnbull with us. Um, I met Melissa many years ago just because we're a part of the same community and lots of mutual connections. And Melissa, you were a person right from the moment I met you that I was really drawn to your energy. I just think you have a beautiful spirit. And from afar, I watched you walk through one of the most difficult things that a human being can go through and the way that you walked through that in such an open-hearted manner was something that was very awe-inspiring. So really, right from the moment we started this podcast, you were a person that was just in the back of my mind as someone I'd really love to sit down and have a truly heartfelt conversation about life and this journey we're on and loss and what it all means. And so when you put together um, a beautiful post on social media a few months ago, I said to Tracy, you have to read this post and I really want to ask Melissa to come and join us on the podcast. And we're going to ask you to share that post in a few moments. But first of all, I just want to thank you for saying yes and for being open to having this truly meaningful conversation. And we're just so excited that you're here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to read... Melissa's personal bio that her girlfriend wrote for her. Uh, Melissa Turnbull, a resilient 40-year-old mother of two, embodies strength and determination. As a a dedicated secondary teacher, she holds two undergraduate degrees and is on the brink of completing her master's this year. Melissa's passion for education and commitment to her students shine brightly in her classroom. Despite the profound loss of her husband at a young age, she has found happiness once more, showcasing her unwavering spirit and resilience. Melissa's ability to rebuild her life and rediscover joy serves as a powerful inspiration to her children, students, and community. Her story is a testament to the human spirit's capacity to endure and, and thrive, making her a remarkable role model for all. I think we all can feel that from you. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Melissa, why don't we just start with, you can share a little bit about your story, maybe the social media post that you wrote that really sparked this uh, conversation. For sure. Okay. So, I usually do a write every June 2nd, or at least I try to. And sometimes on some of my kids' birthdays, I'll do the same thing. Just a a way to kind of keep Derek's memory alive and celebrate some of the good stuff we have had together and whatnot, but I'll read this. You guys want to read this? Okay, here we go. Um, I'm one of those people who thrives on human connection. It is what makes my career as a teacher so rewarding, but it is also the source of some of my largest struggles. Whatever the role is, I hate saying goodbye. Derek and I had been together since we were 14. We would bomb around the peninsula with our friends, going to beaches, hockey games, and house parties, all while listening to Sublime, Snoop Dogg, and Dr. Dre. (laughs) We were sneaking through each other's windows, driving around with our friends, and trying to set up camp in various spots. It didn't matter what happened, we were always together. Um, It had been 16, or sorry, it had been six years since we've said our final goodbye. 
It is with immense nostalgia that I remember those days and something that I reflect on when I say goodbye to my own grade 12s each year. It was a Tuesday on the third week in January and I was preparing to say goodbye to my semester one classes. My social justice 12 kids had become a very tight knit group and they really tried to evoke some positive change in the school. I had 30 students there that day. I sat them down with, to say my parting speech, something heartfelt, sentimental, with a little humor. As I finished poking fun at myself and with a captive audience, I could feel a wave of emotion run over me. It was time to say goodbye. Look at each other, I said. Make eye contact with all those around you. I paused. You may never see each other again. Soon enough, you will all be walking across that stage for graduation and poof, just like that, you will all scatter across the globe. Some of you will become professionals, other trendsetters, homemakers, travelers. The options are endless. Now, before you embark on this journey, I want to impart some advice based on my own life experience. I've lived a beautiful life and I've found happiness. I strongly believe that my high life satisfaction is due to my connection with others. It isn't to say that I've never felt sorrow. I've lived in sadness, all consuming, heart-wrenching sadness, but it was the relationships that I had with others that comforted me, gave me a shoulder to cry on, and eventually helped me up and shaped me into the person that I am today. This was where the emotion washed over me. So I continued, look after your relationships with family, friends, and coworkers. Don't hold hate or anger, forgive and move on. But love people to the best of your abilities because when you are on your deathbed, you won't be thinking of how much money you have. You'll be thinking about who is holding your hand. This send off to my grade 12s had me reflect. Life is hard no matter how you slice it. It stings wherever there is love, there's eventual loss and despair. But it is the people around you who hold you up, the relationships that you forge that keep you going and the true measure of wealth at the end of life. In this regard, Derek was a wealthy man. He had so much love from everyone. We still miss him endlessly, but we are so thankful for the time that we had together. Wherever I think of my time living in Dean Park, he was at the center of it all. A tall, handsome hockey player who was a combination of a nerd and a badass, but my best friend and partner in crime. Here's to a sun-drenched sunset on Patricia Bray Beach and the endless laughter of two people. How fortunate I am to have such memories to escape to. Endless love to you all. And that's it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, Melissa, what mm. reading that, because obviously that was back in June, yes. and now we're in a new school year mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. almost in January again. Mm -hmm. um, how would you, like, what 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 comes over you when you when you even read that back? It's kind of my mantra, honestly. I spend a lot of my time teaching grade twelves, and so we say goodbye to kids all the time. And I'm in a position of privilege. I get to you know instill so many values in so many kids' lives. We have like 120 kids a semester, you know, and they're coming through our classes and. To me, teaching is obviously important about, you know, I teach social studies or history or how to write and all this stuff, but a lot of it is like, how do I have, you know, high life satisfaction? How do I survive this crap that I'm being put through? And kids 
you know, their parents are dying, their friends are dying, um, they're struggling with addiction, there's so much stuff going on. And so sometimes I find that my life experience is like, not necessarily where I am saying, oh, this is how to live and have a great life. I'd be like, try just reaching out to someone and, you know, trying to even being that person to make the connection with them and encouraging them how to make the connections with others so helpful and often especially when we talk about things like loss and grief and death like we don't our society doesn't really know how to deal with it a lot of the times like don't say anything to them and you know how do we address that but sometimes kids just want you to talk to them about it sometimes they don't but if you can be that person that reaches out at least to let them know you know um, how hard it is to say goodbye and how hard it is in general to have those things happen to you and know that it's normal like hey this stuff happens you know my story with Derek was is not unique this happens all the time to people all over the world it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt any less but it's still you know how it is but when as a teacher and as an educator it's just we we're put in a very special position and so I try and say hey these are this is what's worked for me you know let's just life is too short to care about things that don't matter. Yeah. You know, like let's yeah. really focus on like connecting with each other and like lifting each other up because you don't know, you know, who you're going to have to lean on. You don't know who these people are, who you're sitting beside are going to play, what the role they're going to play in your life. Right. They might play like a pretty big role. They might be nothing, mm-hmm. but, um, just to always to be able to kind of go back and be proud of putting all your energy into those different relationships and not just, you know, sitting on their phones or yes. <laughs> doing what teenagers do yes. these days and sound really old when I say something no, like that. Right. But so for people who are listening that don't know your whole story, can we go back a little bit sure. and do you mind sharing a bit more detail about yeah. Derek and his life for and sure. the journey you went through with his illness? Yeah. For sure. So Derek and I met when we were 14 and we grew up on the Sandwich Peninsula. He actually lived a couple roads down from me and we met one day, our friend introduced us and it was just kind of like sparks flew and we were high school sweethearts and all the fun stuff and it was really an amazing experience. We got to do all these amazing crazy things that teenagers used to do, Mm -hmm. bombing around in our cars and you know. (laughs) having fires and parties and all the fun stuff. And uh, he was also a hockey player. He's played with the Peninsula Panthers, so that played a big role in our weekends, every weekend and that sort of thing. But Derek and I were together for all of high school, and then we took a little break for about a year after high school and then ran into each other again in Sydney about a year after, and then we were inseparable. And we got engaged and married um, when we were engaged when we were 23, I guess, married when we were 24, and then had kids when we were 27 and 29. And yeah, we just had a really beautiful story. And I mean, those years are magical for anyone, but it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty great. We, I mean, we all have every, every relationship has ups and downs, but it was pretty solid. And, and, uh, yeah, it was a good so then what happened was one day we were lying in bed and he's like, do I look kind of weird? Like I'm kind of looking funny. And 
I looked at Evan and I'm like, oh my gosh, no, you're fine, you're fine. And Derek was never one to complain, so mm-hmm. I would, my, you know, I, my spidey senses did kind of go up a bit. And I was like, oh, you're fine, whatever. He's like, well, let's call my mom. So we called his mom, and she's like, just go to the hospital and just get it fixed. So we went, and we weren't expecting anything. Like, he was totally fine. He had had, like, maybe some stomach pain or whatever. And then, you know, just kind of spiraled from there, and we found out, you know, he eventually had this rare form of pancreatic cancer after, like, multiple hospital stays and tests and things. And, yeah, you he was kind of, they told us the odds of how long he had to live. And they said, most people with this live three months, but wow. we caught it a little bit early. So, cause we can do surgery. There's a chance, you know, you can get your Whipple surgery done. There's a chance that maybe you'll defy the odds, but the odds are like two to 8% survival rate. It's not good. And, but, um, Derek was bound and determined to do every treatment known to man. And then Derek's sister and I did a lot of research and we tried, you know, we went all over the continent and we went in all the, throughout the States and to Harvard and all these different spots to get different, um, opinions, did everything possible. Mm -hmm. Derek wanted to just spend all the time he could with the kids. And we did tons of traveling at this time. Um, but yeah, it was just an aw- it's basically what nightmares are made out of for about three years. We'd have moments of amazing us and then m- moments of just like sorrow and awful times. But, um, eventually he passed away three years after diagnosis and yeah, it was just an awful time. My kids were tiny, our, our kids were pretty young. When he was first diagnosed, Heidi wasn't one years old yet, and Noah was three. Wow. So, yeah, just three. So they were really little at the same time, so we did a lot of juggling, and the family was all over it. So Derek's family and my family were really hands-on. We had to be, because we I was living in the hospital with him quite a lot, and, and Derek's parents would kind of spell me off why not, and then so... Anyway, it was a very crazy, awful time. But I think during those times, usually, I mean, at least the oncologist says a couple things happen in a relationship. You either, you know, go completely away from each other and and have a really hard time or you kind of it gets stronger. And with us, it just went so much stronger. And then same with the family and everybody. It was mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. everyone came together. Even the community really came together, obviously came together. And we had so much help from so many different people that the love was definitely there. And I know like throughout the whole time, Derek was like, I can't believe all these amazing things are happening. It's just unfortunate why they're happening mm-hmm. but um yeah so that was kind of the story and then since then uh the kids and I have just kind of been finding our way so yeah. it's been about six years and I could honestly say we're in an amazing place right now we haven't always been an amazing place mm-hmm. but right now we're in a really good spot and we've found a really nice rhythm of being together with just the three of us and what that looks like and it's and it's a beautiful thing. Um, but that's kind of more or less the long-winded story. <laughs> Thank you for sharing oh, so yeah. openly. I know oh, that's, no, no. that is not an easy thing to do. Um, yeah, it's, this is a really, it's a hard, hard thing to talk about because 
it's the hardest thing that anyone will ever have to walk through. And loss is something that's universal. Obviously, mm-hmm. we will all experience it at yeah. one time or another. But I think in the the way that you experienced it is so heartbreaking. Yeah. And I'm just so in awe of your strength and you're an inspiration to so many people. Mm-hmm. And that's why we really wanted you to share your story because I know that there are people listening that will connect with and be inspired by your words. And I think one of the things that you said in your post that I have really, you know, witnessed in watching you live your life is this, you know, this idea of the both and like you said in your post that you have found happiness that you've lived a beautiful life but you have also experienced tremendous sorrow and I guess my question is do you think that you know the happiness that you found and the joy that you embrace in life is it is it because of what you've been through or do you think it's you know in spite of what you've been through right so I can do a really long-winded <laughs> answer to this one, but I thought about this and, you know, naturally I'm, I think I'm maybe a little bit happier than a normal person. I think before, maybe. Like you I, have a pretty I, high set. Pretty point, high just, energy. I have a pretty, yeah. like, I'm usually very optimistic person. I don't, you know, I don't get usually too down in the dumps, but I said, I mentioned this to my parents actually the other day when we were, when we were talking about this and I said, you know, Maybe it's just that I'm happy. And my parents are like, Melissa, are you nuts? Like, <laughs> do you remember anything that happened? They were like, we were so worried about you. You told us you were never going to be happy again. Like, we didn't know, like, we were so worried about the whole thing. And, and I really, it's funny, time is amazing in that um, you forget a lot about that stuff. Like, your body makes you, mm-hmm. right? If, you have, if I remembered everything that happened, you know, I wouldn't be happy, I'm sure, because, I mean, I do remember it, but I just try, there's different ways that I deal with it, but I think I've found happiness, you know, again, in spite of sorrow, um, the key to me finding happiness really has been my children, I think, and it's just, it's a funny thing, you know, when they're born, you don't realize the role they're going to play in your heart and in your life, and, and I think with my kids, they were so little, when it all happened and Derek was like, don't you dare let this be a miserable life for them. And I was like, yeah, right. Like I'm on board with that. I don't want that for them either. Mm -hmm. So I think in my mind, I like challenged myself to really put my feelings aside some of the times, like don't get me wrong. I definitely felt all the, all the things, but I think a lot of it was, you know, the pitter patter of my kids feet in the morning when I would wake up and they were there like, mom, what are we doing? You know? And we had just like had this most awful, you know, tragedy go on. And I'm like, Oh, we're going to the park. (laughs) You know, like this is what we're doing today. And kind of, you know, they were the ones who got me up and, and pushed me to go forward. Um, you know, that paired with obviously my, you know, our amazing family. And I did a lot of writing, which was super helpful and lots of running. And I had to work out every day, like, or go for a run and listen to music and talk to nobody for every day for a long time, just to kind of clear it out. And I lean on my friends a ton and the community a ton, like there was a lot of that. But 
I would definitely say that it was my kids that kind of, you know, I, even to this day, I'm, I'm like, I, okay, well, what would it, what would our life look like if there was two of me? You know, mm-hmm. they would be playing baseball, doing soccer, doing, you know, all these things. Mm-hmm. And so often people say, you know, your life's nuts. I'm like, it is, but it's great. And I've figured out how to manage it. And because there's only one of me mm-hmm. and I don't want my kids to miss out. And so I think that was a lot of it in regards to how I got through it. You know, finding happiness though has been, you know, a process. It's taken time. Obviously I wasn't happy for a really long time. And I think that with grief and stuff, it's super important to feel that horrible. And it's important in life in general, life you're meant to feel these things. Like you're meant to feel awful. You just had this most devastating loss. You're meant to feel that and it's meant to hurt. But then your your body is amazing. You're going to figure out ways to just pick yourself up and go forward. Whether that's for people like my kids or whether it's for yourself or for your family. You figure out a way in life and to move forward. Mm. and or to, Or at least to just to keep going. And then... After a certain amount of time, you're like, wow, I just, you know, made it through three months or I just made it through a year or whatever. Even if you, you know, it's a difficult year, it still happened. And then you find moments. Had some girlfriends send me some things like, okay, try writing three positive things down a day. And that for me kind of turned into like journaling and then mm-hmm. turn into writing. And Derek and I before had... We're, this is, I don't know if this is an overshare, but Derek and I were trying to figure out how he was going to say goodbye and like kind of still say like, have a connection with the kids. Cause we knew he's too, they were too little to remember anything. And so we had like, Oh, let's make a movie. But it was so depressing every time we do it, we couldn't do it. And then we were like, we heard of someone who wrote these cards for their birthdays. Derek's like, every time I write this, it's some cliche crap. They're going to figure this out. Like, I can't do this. Like, I don't even know what to say. And so we decided that we were going to write about our lives because we had such a great childhood. And it was kind of funny. We had some funny stories and whatever. So him and he had started writing these stories about us. And then I kind of jumped in. And then um, eventually you know, treatment went on and he couldn't keep writing. And so, but he was like, you have to keep writing. And, you know, we'd go through what I needed to write about. So I would write it and then he would edit it and then be like, well, don't forget this. Don't forget this. So I want it to be really real. And then eventually he was too sick to do it. And I, and I wrote the whole time he was in the hospital, the whole three years. And then I wrote for about six months after he died, just to like try and wrap it up as much as I could. Um, we had this thing where, I was super worried that I was going to forget something mm-hmm. because everyone's like, when you go through this, you're not going to remember anything. It's going to become a blur. Um, and I was thinking about this other day cause I didn't really think that was the case. And before they used to say, uh, or used to ask what is Derek's drug regimen that he was on? And I could like rattle off the 12 different drugs, the, you know, the amount he was on, when he would take it, how he would take them. And, uh, now I couldn't tell you what one of those drugs were. I can barely tell you, you know, what 
treatment he was on and you know the protocol like it's just it's funny how your brain just forgets mm-hmm. but anyway that um i think where was i going with this so you and derek together wrote oh yeah for your kids right like the story of yeah. their relationship yeah yeah we did and it, it it was really long though it was about you know 2500 pages long and so wow yeah it was really wow long. but it was two storylines one is like our past and then one was what was happening at the time so it was kind of also my therapy and like i would write you know while Derek was in surgery or something getting a procedure or something i would write what had been going on that week and it just really helped me feel like I was putting everything down so I could let it go as soon as it hit the paper I would just go and our girlfriend Derek and I grew up with a girl who lives out east and she is a writer and a university professor and she's like I'll just like edit all your stuff and we gave send it to her and she's like well that's the most depressing thing I've ever read but she like pared it down so it's for our kids I don't imagine it's probably ever going to see the light of day, but until my kids are older and it's just kind of a message, you know, from us and from Derek, um, definitely the beginning stuff from Derek. And so, yeah, we did that. I think that is such, such a gift to them because as you know, I lost my mom when I was young and that I think is, we've talked about this before, one of the hardest things for me is that because she was so sick for most of my childhood I don't I don't feel like I really got to know her mm-hmm. as the full mm-hmm. essence of who she was as a healthy person and I don't I don't have those kind of like stories or people mm-hmm. that will share those stories with me or those memories mm-hmm. and so I think that is such an incredible gift to create that for your kids and for you to you know continue to share the stories with them about your crazy times driving around (laughs) yeah Yeah. I know I'm like don't do any of these things (laughs) but this is what we did it's it's just such a beautiful relationship I can Mm -hmm. just see when you talk about him and the time that you spent together how meaningful and beautiful it was so to be able to you know keep that memory alive is truly truly a gift to your kids yeah that yeah we had it was just it was a beautiful time and um but you know what's so funny is that there is life after this and there's life after saying goodbye to something as beautiful as that but for me yeah it's super important that I keep it alive for the kids at least enough you know, I don't want to talk about it all the time for them mm. with them, but just enough so that they can be like, this is what your dad used to do. You skate exactly mm. like your dad. Like, don't, it's weird because <laughs> you never watch or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, That's what we would have done. But, yeah. Especially your older son. Yes. Is there any sort of memory, like being, he was three, you said? Yeah. And now he's turning 13? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's big. So he was, he was five turning six when Derek passed away but yeah he had only known him we're like the majority of his memory probably probably would have been when he was sick but Derek would like wake up super early and play video games with him and he, you know he's the cool dad and Derek really wanted to go to Disneyland a bunch of times with him so we did and there was like a lot of really nice things like that but I and mean does, now he's 13. Do they remember maybe not your youngest but your older one does he remember any of I don't think so. I mean, maybe a little bit, but no. Nothing? No. They were too little. How do you guys... Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. How do you now keep 
like obviously like you said without bringing Derek up mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. but how do you continue to keep his memory in your in your family alive mm. in a healthy way <laughs> I think we talk about him you know not like in not like all the time but if something happens that reminds us oh my gosh you this remind, reminds us of this story about your dad and Derek's parents do that all the time and and so do my parents and our my brother and sister and Derek's sister just kind of just stories mm-hmm. I think a lot of us with grief in general story and and this and just like mostly story I would say is really the way that you get to know and remember mm-hmm. people and even with my own past like people are like how do you move on from this and I think the big piece for me is I, I'm a very nostalgic person and I think of my life as a chap as, as a book, a personal book, you know, a personal journey. There's no one else in that except for me. And that every, and my kids obviously, but every chapter, there's just chapters. And, mm-hmm. and Derek was like a beautiful chapter of my mm-hmm. life. And, but there was, uh, but there's other chapters too. And I think like some of the chapters intersect with others, you know, like I have, um, my kids, when I tell them stories, it's like going back into this chapter in my life. Like once, you know, this used to happen, this is what it's like, but you know, this is our chapter now and it's a pretty cool chapter and we're doing all these wonderful things. And, um, I think that's kind of how we frame it and that's how we kind of keep it alive for the kids without it being without them being inundated with sorrow and sadness and we also really talk about it as a pause you know as we don't talk about everything that happened that was negative we talk about what life was like before sickness we don't talk about sickness unless that time unless you know they ask or Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. whatever I don't yeah, we don't talk about that time too much. It's just such an awful time. <laughs> but um, for the most part, yeah, we just tell stories. Oh, and yeah, it's kind of how. I think Ooh. something that I really resonated with, well, I resonated with everything that you said in that <laughs> post, but there was a moment where you said, whenever there is love, there is eventual loss and despair. And I think anyone that's experienced loss really, like, you know that to your core, Mm -hmm. what that feels like. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something that I've struggled with my whole life is finding that balance between there's this part of you, this piece of you, when you have experienced loss, you know how precious, how Mm -hmm. valuable relationships connection Mm -hmm. love is because you realize the temporary nature of everything that Mm -hmm. none of this lasts forever so you you have to lean in and feel it and embrace it and enjoy it while it's here but then there's also this other side of you that because you know how much it hurts to lose Mm -hmm. someone you love or to have to say goodbye to a chapter in your life Mm -hmm. that is so meaningful and profound because you know what that that deep ache that deep longing feels like you know sometimes it's just like you like you want to shut off or shut down Mm -hmm. from feeling those big feelings because you know what 
what the loss eventually feels like. So how have you, because I don't, like, I don't know if I figured this out. Like, I really don't know if I figured this out. I think it's something I have to intentionally remind myself, you know, lean into those moments where you, where you are feeling vulnerable and afraid of Mm -hmm. what the loss might feel like. Still lean into those moments Mm -hmm. of feeling the fullness of, of love and connection with people. How have you, kind of walked through that and found the way to open yourself up and live in such an open-hearted way with your kids, with your friends, mm-hmm. with your students, mm-hmm. and to really continue to build those relationships. Yeah, I I really struggle with saying goodbye or relationships ending of any shape or form, like friendships or romantic relationships or whatever. I have a very hard time saying goodbye to people in my life. But, um, I think that happiness in my, for me is created by a connection with others. Like I need to have people. And so I know that I think that everyone knows this is going to end. Your relationship with everyone is eventually going to end. You're on your personal journey through life as much as you want to do it with everyone around you, this is your journey. Mm -hmm. But if you want to enjoy it, you know, you have to, you have to lean into it. You have to take the really, you have to take the risk. It's, it's necessary. Otherwise you're going to live your life alone and you're not going to feel it. You're not going to feel the joy. You're not going to feel life. And I think it really comes back to this idea that life is, you know, it's meant to be, it's not always meant to be happy. It's not, but it's not always meant to be sad. You're meant to feel at everything. And I think for me personally, um, I, I hold on to relationships almost probably unhealthily long, you know, some relationships I'm like, oh, okay, I, I need to give this a bit of a break, but, um, but people play such a big role for me, especially people who, you know, have stuck it out or are part of our lives now, especially, but who stuck it out through everything. Like it's, they're, they pay, they're like family. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have very close friends that, you know, we're all so busy, but it's so important to make that time. And I, and as for, you know, other relationships moving forward, like other romantic relationships and stuff. I just think I want to enjoy my life and I want, and, and I got to see all the amazing things with Derek and I, and I got to learn what love was like and what amazing connection feels like and what it should feel like. Mm-hmm. And I think that in order to move forward, you know, you have to be able to take the risk to do that again. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you're going to get a, the same type of connection or whatever, but um, but if I want to live my life to the fullest, you know, you have to make that, take the risk and hope for the best and just do it. As and but it's gonna hurt, and you just need to know it's gonna hurt eventually at some point. And yeah, I mean, when you have experienced loss like that, it sticks with you. It doesn't go away, but it's just manage differently Mm -hmm. maybe yeah I think that's so profound and true and beautiful what you said that you know life isn't meant to always 
feel good Mm -hmm. or be happy and you have to embrace all of it Mm. and it is yeah it's it's the the hard feelings the tough feelings the sadness the sorrow the the loss the pain those those things make you recognize that feeling joy and love and connection is so good in those moments where you feel it right absolutely and I think that's really what you know the source of our that's also how we survive I mean as a human species when when we have trauma or some crisis or something it's these those people that hold you up right like it's those relationships so it's not even just romantic or whatever it's all the relationships Mm -hmm. and yeah so I think connections the connection is just like a big piece So, Melissa, looking back, given how many, you know, all these chapters that you've kind of been through, Mm -hmm. what advice would you give your 14-year-old self? To be honest, I I thought about this one. Um, I I would say, honestly, don't do anything different. Just, like, go for it and just do exactly what you did before. I, you know, we were fortunate. We had, like, we often said, Derek and I, had crammed like a lifetime of love affair into just a short period of time. Like we got to do all the fun stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and we got to feel all the pangs and sadness and all of it too. But uh, I would just go for it and go and experience life. And when there's not, this was a big piece that I think we learned while he was sick was when there's an opportunity to take it. So. Mm-hmm. And to really become more of yes people and mm-hmm. less be less concerned about necessarily optics or financials. Not to say that that's not important, but to do your best to just say yes to opportunities and yes to experiences because you know you might never have those experiences again or opportunities again. Mm-hmm. And I think you know when that was really heightened when Derek was sick. We're like, okay, so we have a six-month-old, and the last thing we want to do is take a flight to Hawaii, but we're going, you know, mm-hmm. and we would do it, and then when we got there, it was miraculous, and just yeah. the best time, and or wherever, whatever we were doing, and um, I just think that's a big piece as well, and so much, so many times in life, we're like, well, it's not the right time, or, oh, we should wait for whatever, but I think really just going forward, that's how Derek and I lived our lives anyway. But I just think that that was just really heightened during the sickness mm-hmm. and those years. And I think moving forward, I almost do it to an extreme extent I now. I almost kind of got to curtail it back a bit. Are you still, do you feel like you're still living in that yes mode though? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Almost a little bit too much. But yeah, I feel like I say yes to a lot, a lot yeah. of different opportunities just because. I love that though. Uh, but yeah, it's fun for sure. It is fun. And I've got to do some pretty amazing things because of it. But yeah, I would say that would be the main thing. Otherwise not to change anything else. Yeah. And that was worth it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So when you look ahead in your life, um, you know, we've been chatting about the really temporary nature of life and how profoundly you've experienced that. When you look ahead, are there are there certain things that you feel like you still need to do and experience things that are definite yes things for Melissa well there's always yes things for Melissa (laughs) (laughs) 
yes to lots of vacations and fun adventure. Yeah, but I mean, you're a traveler. Uh, yeah, I like, I like to do things for sure. I would say that it that moving forward, I don't necessarily say there's something that I have to do. You know, I'm not, I feel like I've been so fortunate and I've got to experience this wild array of crazy adventures and I wouldn't say that there's anything that I'm like, I need to do this, but I still do thrive for, you know, I want to have connections with people. I want to still have that, but with, so my kids, I, moving forward, I really don't like buying material goods for my kids. This has really kind of changed everything for us. My, it was kind of how yeah. I was brought up as well in a way, but we, I don't like to do crazy amount of Christmas gifts or like crazy amount of, you know, whatever gifts I like to do experiences. Mm-hmm. So rather than, you know, have a crate, whatever Christmas gifts, we're going to go skiing for what, you know, a trip or we'll go on, you know, some sort of experience where we'll go surfing in California. We'll do something and together. And I think that maybe would be some things like having lots of experiences with my kids mm-hmm. and maybe we'll go to Kruger park in Africa or some something at some point, you know, when they're older, I just, I think those are the types of things that I aim to do with my children having those types of life experiences. But besides from that, I would say, you know, it's, it's been pretty good and I can't complain about how things have gone for sure. Besides obvious. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're really close with your parents. Yeah. Yeah. And they're really involved with your kids. Yeah. They're very involved with my kids and Derek's parents are also as, as involved as, as well, but um, yeah, I'm really close. You have a really good support system. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in a very close, knit family um, my brother and sister and I um, yeah we were all really close within three years and so we all went to high school together and all that and they all moved up island and they have, they're up in like Cowichan and so we go up there a lot and then my kids end up hanging out with all their cousins and you know all that fun stuff so it's so yeah. important mm-hmm. if there's someone listening who has a friend or family member that's going through loss. And I think, you know, we all struggle to know how to best support the people we love that right. are going through loss. What What would you share with someone that's wondering, like, what do I do? How do I support? Okay. What is really going to matter and make a difference? Like, what are the yeah. things for you when you were going through that time that were the most beneficial the most helpful the most impactful for you okay so there's there's a few things um one of the big things for me was when when this all happened we weren't then people were like oh we want to kind of set up a meal train or we want to do these things we're like oh we're fine and i think we'll be fine accepting that type of help is not I don't think it's necessarily a natural thing that people feel comfortable doing. So if it was people are going through this either while, while it's still happening or post even after it's happened, I would say just do something like don't ask, just do find out what they like and do it. Like people, our community was insane. Like it was amazing. We would come home every day and whether whether it was Derek's parents at the house or his family or my parents and we were spelling each other off for the hospital 
there was always like a hot meal because our friends arranged this really cool meal train that lasted for over six months that people would come and drop the food in the, you know, without talking to us or anything into the cooler outside the front door. And then there would be dinner for whoever was there, which was awesome. So that was a huge help. It's also really nice just to have people not necessarily stop by and say hi, Mm -hmm. but to drop off like a bottle of wine or a letter or I remember I kept everything you know you keep people give you so much stuff happens and it's a blur but later in the aftermath you kind of go through and you're like wow I can't believe you know they did this thing I remember someone came and brought this humongous basket just of like different granola bars for the kids and just like lunch stuff that people could just grab when they were making when other people were making kids lunches and stuff and one thing I didn't like, and I don't know if... Anyway, one thing I didn't like was when people would be like, oh, just let me know what I can do. Mm-hmm. Because there's never anything that right. I'm ever going to tell you that no. you can do for me ever. <laughs> you no. know, I, I just needed someone, and people just need you to do take action yes. and just do yes. something. Yeah. And I think that's so like true. one of the big things. And as for people who are going through it, that's how you can kind of help others is just to go out there even if it's just like clean their house or wash their car or whatever it is but as for and I mean obviously people did crazy things for us they made this trophy in Derek's honor that you know through PMHA and that was it was really cool it was very special and the kids to this day really look forward to going every year to giving it to whoever gets it and Mm -hmm. it's just a really special thing and you know there were fundraisers and all that kind of fun stuff which was amazing but I think as for people are going through it um for them just to know that it sucks and this is crappy and I for me I really wanted people to acknowledge what was happening Mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't want them to pretend it wasn't happening right because then I would have to bring it up yeah because clearly my life's falling apart, you know, at the time. And so I think acknowledging it, maybe even in just saying, like, you don't have to talk about it, but we're so sorry, and acknowledge it, that it's happened. I think that's a big piece. And even for the kids, acknowledging it, um, but also, also to make sure that, you know, you're not, you don't lean on them too much. You know, you're not like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then you're crying and they're, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you know, right. it's just kind of, it's a fine balance, balance right? Like you got to do it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's a fine balance for sure. But that would be what I would say. And then as for the actual people going through it, like it's awful and it's going to suck, but you're going to get through it. And every day gets like a little bit better. And I know that sounds super cliche, but it's true, mm-hmm. at least in the long term. You're not going to probably remember a lot of the awful. At least you hope not to remember. I, tr- I choose not to remember those things. And, um, yeah, that's kind of what I would say. Do you remember when you, like, obviously you're in the awful, but when you kind yeah. of started coming out of that, like, cloud of mm-hmm. heaviness and and just shit Mm -hmm. that you were like oh my gosh I feel joy again like do you actually remember that or was it just all of a sudden I you know that's a good question I remember being joyful for my children Mm. and I remember being like oh my gosh yes they're happy yes this is happening I'm so glad things are because kids aren't 
the kids weren't normal for a long time. Like there was, you know, they were little and they were happy-ish, but it wasn't necessarily authentic. But I remember when it, remember when Heidi started like laughing mm. and I was like, oh yes, you know, it's, it's coming around. And, and that was a big thing because Heidi was so stoic and for being little, like it just was kind of a silly or not a normal thing, at least for her. And so, and with Noah, um, once he started like caring about like wanting to have play dates and stuff and, and it was just, I was joyful when my kids were joyful. And I think that's how I lived for a long time actually. And I don't think necessarily, I don't remember specifically when I found, when I felt joyful, might've felt joyful when I went back to work because it reminded me of who I was. Like, you know, you live, I was off for a long time because I had just come, I just, I was off with Heidi's maternity leave and then I had just come back for a couple weeks and then he got sick and I was off. And so when I came back to work, I was like, right, I love my job. Mm-hmm. I forgot I love all the people I work with. I, I work at a, like, I often say it's, it's a very special school. I work with amazing it people. It is a special school. It's a special yeah. school. And and I work with passionate workaholics that just live and breathe the school. And it's actually, it's just really nice because I'm very much like that in that I'm enthusiastic and overbearing <laughs> and all those things. But uh, it was nice to be back and to be doing that stuff. And it was nice for the kids to be back into normal when they went to school and we were just living normal life. That's kind of when I remember being like, oh, this actually is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when you go through grief and loss, it is so important to focus on the things that give your life meaning and purpose, yeah. right? To be able yeah. to find that again, yeah. just yeah. little gems of meaning yeah. and purpose that you can hang on to. Yeah. And teaching for me, I'm like, is the core. I love it. People are like, we always tell people, especially our interns and stuff, when they come through, you either love teaching or you hate it. There's no in between. This is not a mediocre job because it just sucks. It was a mediocre. You either, it's, it's usually one or the other. Mm-hmm. And and I, it's at the core of who I am. I love teaching. And, I, and I, it's probably because I love connecting with so many people. But... I, yeah, so I felt better when I was back at work for sure. But I, but it was also funny because an, another little takeaway was I also remember when all, all was going down with Derek, also really wanting to make sure that moving forward when after everything that it also didn't define me. Like I love teaching and I love connecting with the students and being that their person and helping inspire them to go on and be their better selves. But I also didn't want that to be my legacy, like my sole legacy. You know, I want my legacy to be my kids. Like I want the kids to feel that I was their everything, you know, like they are my people and I'm putting everything into them because that's what matters the most. You know, when you're, uh, on your deathbed, you're not, you're not like, wow, you know, I was a great teacher or I had a ton of money or any of those things. You're like, Oh, I wish I told, you know, you, you might be thinking, Oh, I wish I told someone I just love, I love them. Right. 
or or you might be like, oh, thank goodness I did, you thank know, goodness I whatever, did. depending yeah. on your situation. Mm-hmm. And I think with my kids, I just want them, I just want that to be the focus. Whereas before, I would say, I always wanted the kids to be my focus. That's how I was brought up and that's how my parents were like with me. But uh, it's so easy to get wrapped up in your job, mm-hmm. especially it teaching. It becomes your identity. Yeah, yeah it totally yeah. does. And even now... I like that it's part of my identity. I just don't want to say it's at the core of my identity. Mm-hmm. So I would say, like, it's just important to know the balance yeah. for me, personally, yeah. anyway. And it sounds like you go there and you get a little piece met for you, but then yeah. you get to come home and be with your people. Totally. And, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Like, I, I love the people I work with. They're, I just, I love them. They're my people for sure, but, you know, my, my family is, like, mm-hmm. the, the big piece for me. Anyway. And you can, you know, see that. I've seen you with your kids and I've seen you in the audience watching your daughter dance on stage and it's like you are literally just lighting up from the inside out and she's the same way. Like, it's just a beautiful thing to witness, the connection you have. And I don't think there is a moment of doubt with those kids knowing how much they are loved by you that's nice yeah i hope not (laughs) i hope they know um that's so nice to say though it's beautiful yeah so when you think of derek now yep um are you filled with more joy or sadness um i would say i'm full of i'm full of joy. I, I, when I think of Derek, I don't think of Derek during those three years. I think of what our life was like before. And, and you know, uh, so many people came and would see me after and be like, this isn't normal to have what you had. Like this was not a normal situation. And you know, yeah, I don't probably, it's probably very much not normal. Like the uh, level of connection. Yeah. The level of connection we had for sure. But I think that I, so, so I'm very joyful when I think of that. Mm-hmm. If I allow myself to think of what happened during those three years and all of that, then, you know, I, I will st- won't stop crying. Yeah. You know, it's, it's an awful thing. And there were moments, your brain's funny. Like, I, my brain, my memories function in flashes. Like, I can tell you I looked a certain way and I remember seeing someone's expression and that's the moment that I'll remember when I go back to certain memories. It's like a light bulb moment kind mm-hmm. of thing, mm-hmm. especially during the grief time and I, or during that struggle, those three years. And I can really resonate with, like, certain moments. But literally my brain will be like, nope, we're not even going to go there because if we do, you know, it's just a, not a good thing. But now, when we think of Derek, we just tell, same, like I said before, you know, you tell all the good stories and we remember all the good times because that's what he was like, you know? So, yeah. I would say definitely more positive than not. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you can sit here and we can mostly me tears yes there have been tears shed for sure but that we can like actually have this conversation and what you've you know from such a terrible situation but what you've learned from it it's just like so beautiful (laughs) 
I, yeah, it, I've learned a lot from all of this mm-hmm. and, and I feel like I do have some unique perspective for sure in regards to just not caring about certain, what not, what to care about, what not to care Absolutely. about. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You really do learn what matters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like someone screwing up your order, restaurant, doesn't matter. You know, these other little things don't matter, but what does? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Melissa, we have one more question for you before we wrap up question that we ask everybody what is your word for 2023 okay so my word I feel like it's obvious I think I said it like so many times but I think my word for 2023 is connection Mm. and I just think it just in so many different walks of life it speaks to different people you know friendships or co you know relationships with your coworkers or relationships in general or relationships with your kids there's the connection is just so important and to be present in that connection, you know, you can be connected to people and just be totally spaced out and whatnot, but just to be present in the connection, big piece for me is I want to live my life where I, where I can say that I don't regret not being present in the moment. Even if the moment was an awful moment, I want to be able to like say that I don't have anything that I regret not doing or not being there for. Right, so I really showed up for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think connection is mm-hmm. my big piece. That's always the message that I seem to give my students as well. It's like, let's connect with each other. Let's, you know, try and try and nurture those relationships because they're just going to be so important. But yeah. I love thank it. you for sharing yeah. that. I mean this <sighs> in the most genuine and sincere way. You are truly a blessing to everybody wow. that knows you. Yes. You really are, and your students are so lucky to have you. My daughter has been one of your students, and they all adore you, and your kids are just so blessed to have you guiding them through this life. It's, It's really amazing the connection you have cultivated with them, and yeah, I just thank you so much for sharing like in such a beautiful, open-hearted, genuine way about your journey. And you just have put it all out on the table. You have shared so many really difficult things, but I think you have left us just with such a sense of, of hope and joy. And I know that there are going to be so many people listening to this that will really appreciate the way they've shared. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. So good. Mm. So good. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, thank you so much no, for anytime. listening to Life Conversations. Um, we will be back again very soon. And yeah, it's just been a beautiful moment with you, Melissa. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks.